100 and 2000 UTC. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. And happy Friday. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the June 17th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Let's tip off with a Sunny Side of Sports salute to the Golden State Warriors basketball team. The Warriors won their fourth NBA title in the past eight years Thursday night when they beat the Boston Celtics 103-90. to Golden State won the best-of-seven NBA Finals four games to two. The AP's Gethin Coolbaugh reports from Boston, Massachusetts. For the fourth time in eight years, the Golden State Warriors are NBA champions after beating the Boston Celtics 103-90 in Game 6. Stephen Curry led the way with 34 points, Andrew Wiggins scored 18, and Draymond Green amassed 12 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists. Curry earned his first NBA Finals MVP award after averaging 31.2 points in the series. The ability to be on the stage and play with amazing teammates, I guess a great ball. Boston Celtics team that, you know, gave us everything to try to get to the finish line. This one hits different for sure. Jalen Brown scored 34 while Jason Tatum had 13 for the Celtics, who fell short of their first title since 2008. It's hard getting to this point and it's even harder, you know, getting over the hump and winning. It's been a long journey, long process. You know, that's what I took from it, that it's it's tough and we got to take it up another level to do what we want to do. Gethin Coolbaugh, Boston. Thanks, Geffen. Now we'll hear from the two head coaches, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors and Ime Udoka of the Boston Celtics. Kerr has now won a total of nine NBA championships, four as a coach and five as a player. He says this latest trophy holds a special place. Well, they're all unique. I think this one may have been the most unlikely just from the standpoint of where we've been the last couple of years, a lot of unknowns with injuries to Clay. Um, you know, Draymond at the end of the year, Steph at the end of the year, um, a lot of young guys, kind of a new core, uh, or, or a new group around our core, I should say. Um, but um, it's really special to see guys like Wiggs and, and Loon and Gary Payton um, just how far they've come, um, the impact they made. Jordan Poole, same thing. And I, I know I'm going to forget people, but it takes uh, a full team effort to do this. And we just had a, a, a great group who uh, who got it done. Meanwhile, Celtics head coach Ime Udoka says he had this message for his team after the Game 6 loss in Boston. Yeah, you know, it's going to hurt, and it, it'll hurt for a while and probably... You know, that stuff never goes away. I've lost one before, and so um, that was part of the message. Uh, let it propel us forward. Uh, the experience and growth and progress that we made this season, uh, obviously getting to your ultimate goal and, and falling a few games short uh, is going to hurt, and there are a lot of guys in there you know, you're very emotional right now. So the message was, you know, we thank them for the effort and the growth and everything they allowed us to do coaching-wise this year. Um, and the biggest biggest message was learn from this, uh, grow from it, 
take this experience and see there is another level to get to with a team like Golden State who has been there, done that, and, and it was evident in a lot of ways. And just uh, don't come back the same as players, coaching staff, and uh, let this feel you throughout the offseason the next year. This year, NBA Finals most valuable player Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors reflected on his team's championship journey. You go through these last two years and conversations, narratives, we're too old, you know, the uh, parallel timelines of developing young guys and keeping our core together, all those tough decisions that we had to make, um, that weighs on you for as much time as we were going through it. And then you get to the point where you're in a playoff series against you know Denver and then Memphis and then Dallas and get to Boston, and it's like we're right here, and it's surreal. And then you get to the finish line, and – uh, that's why I think this one is definitely different because of just the three years of baggage we carried coming out of that game six in 2019. I mean, these last two months of the playoffs, these last three years, these last 48 hours, every bit of it <clears throat> has been a uh, emotional roller coaster on and off the floor. And you're carrying all of that on a daily basis to try to realize a dream and a goal like we did tonight. And uh, you get goosebumps just thinking about, you know, all those snapshots and episodes that we went through to get back here individually, collectively. And uh, that's why I say I think this championship hits different. That's why I have so many, so many emotions and still will just because of what it took to get back here. That's Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, the most valuable player of the 2022 NBA Finals. Golden State beat the Boston Celtics four games to two. It was the seventh NBA championship for the Warriors and the team's fourth trophy in the past eight years. I'm Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me for a special edition of PC USA with guest award-winning historian and author Jesse Holland as he takes us on the journey of how the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act was signed into law this year and will examine the legacy of Juneteenth, a celebration of freedom for many African Americans. Join me for PC USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Hello, listeners. My name is Sheila Omrebuyungo, uh, KCCA Volleyball Club head coach and national team uh, head coach for the Uganda Volleyball Cranes men. Listen to Sony Side of Sports on Voice of America. Thanks, Coach Sheila. FIFA President Gianni Infantino says he expects football to be the biggest sport in North America in time for the 2026 World Cup. 2026 will be much, much, much bigger. I, I think uh, this part of the world doesn't realize what will happen here in 2026. I mean, these three countries will be put upside down and then flipped again back. Uh, the world will be invading uh, Canada, Mexico, and uh, the United States, and uh, they will be invaded by uh, by a big wave of uh, of uh, of joy and, and and of happiness because that's what football is about. And you said you said it rightly. I mean, f- 
football is also the sport of, of course, of the immigrant, of the inclusion, of bringing people together. And uh, in this part of the world, we have half a billion people living, and of this half a billion, probably half a billion has some origins of somewhere. And uh, with 48 countries coming and playing this World Cup, it will be amazing. And uh, the level uh, which football or soccer will have here in uh, North America by that time and at the latest with that World Cup will be at a completely different level. What I say many times, I want to say it here again, is this part of the world in, this, in these three countries, you know, from, a, from, from many uh, points of view, uh, you are leading the world in many areas, in, in economy, in sport and so on. But in the number one sport in the world, which is soccer or football, uh, you're not yet. And the objective must be that you will be leading the world as well in the world's number one sport. FIFA president Gianni Infantino spoke as the 16 cities that will host matches during the 2026 World Cup were announced. As Infantino said, the 2026 World Cup will expand to 48 teams from 32 and matches will be staged across the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Here in the USA, the cities selected are, in alphabetical order, Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Miami, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Seattle. In Mexico, Three cities were selected to host matches, Mexico City, Monterey, and Guadalajara. And in Canada, two cities will host matches during the 2026 World Cup, Toronto and Vancouver. Voice of America. My Voice of America colleague Gwen Ooten joins us now with reaction to New York, New Jersey's winning bid to stage matches at the 2026 World Cup. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Jubilant soccer fans cheered as their joint New York City, New Jersey bid was selected as one of the 16 cities to host 2026 FIFA World Cup matches. The crowd was gathered at a watch party just outside New York during Thursday's announcement, and they listened as New York City Mayor Eric Adams said the World Cup tournament traveling to their city is a sign of brighter days ahead. This is what it's all about. And all of us who have been weighed down by COVID, all of us who have experienced uncertainty, all of us that wondered about what the future would be like, the question mark lingered over our city and country for two years. Today, these young people and their enthusiasm, they took the question mark and they turned it into an exclamation point. We are America. We are New York. We are New Jersey. You're darn right we're going to be all right. The World Cup is coming here to New York and New Jersey. Mayor Adams was joined by New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who said he hopes the World Cup final takes place in his beloved city. And as much as we want the early games, there's one game we want. We want the last game. 
We want the last game. We want that World Cup trophy hoisted right here up the road in MetLife Stadium. Look at the backdrop. How could you not play the finals here? Look at New York City, the Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island. It screams diversity. It screams our immigrant roots. And it screams soccer. Welcome, world. Four years ago, Canada, Mexico, and the United States won their joint bid to host the World Cup in 2026. It will be the first time the tournament is staged across three countries and the first time Canada has ever hosted the Men's World Cup. The tournament returns to the United States for the second time since 1994. Mexico has staged the event twice in 1970 and 1986 and is set to host the tournament for a record third time. 48 teams will play across 16 cities and with 80 matches in the expanded format, the 2026 tournament will be the largest in World Cup history. Meanwhile, preparations have shifted into high gear ahead of this year's World Cup in Qatar. Earlier this week, the official poster for Qatar 2022 was unveiled during a special event at Hamad International National Airport in Doha. The poster was created by Qatari female artist Buthena Al Mufta and depicts an image of a soccer ball with traditional headwear being thrown in the air in celebration, along with the words "Let's go" in Arabic. During the ceremony, Al Mufta told Reuters News she designed the poster to capture the joy of the people of Qatar. The work that you see here today is uh, inspired from from uh, the local football culture, uh, chanting and cheering of, you know, the voices of uh, the visitors um, and the people within the stadiums. Um, it's meant to bring on uh, this feeling of excitement. The Ritara raised in the air in the main poster, as you can see, is supposed to express also that feeling of how people celebrate a win. So I wanted to show that in a kind of in a in an indirect way to represent Qatar and just the feelings of joy. Seven additional posters, all designed by Al Mufta, were also showcased during the unveiling ceremony and are currently on display throughout the airport. FIFA marketing director Jean-Francois Pethy called the official poster for World Cup 2022 a reflection of Qatar's artistic and football heritage. And Pethy says Al Mufta's work will shine a global spotlight on her talent as an artist. On Tuesday, the World Cup qualifying campaign ended when Costa Rica defeated New Zealand 1-0 in the final intercontinental playoff to become the last team to book their ticket to Qatar. World Cup 2022 is set to kick off in just 157 days on November 21st. And that is all for me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? 
Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Sporty greetings. This is Esebume, three times African champion in long jump. You're listening to the sunny side of sport on the voice of America. Samson Omale joins us now with another extra spicy package of African sports news. Sporty Friday greetings, Samson. Sporty. Friday greetings to you too, Sunny. We'll begin the wrap of Africa's sports action this week with names of March officials selected to officiate at the Women's African Cup of Nations Morocco 2022. CAF on Friday released a list of 40 March officials for the tournament that will be played between the 2nd and the 23rd of July 2022 in Rabat and Casablanca in Morocco. The list comprises of 16 referees, 16 assistant referees and 8 video assistant referees from 24 countries that have been selected following a rigorous process. This is a process that started a few years ago with 226 women March officials who were evaluated over the period. Rwanda Salima Mokasanga, who made history at the African Cup of Nations Cameroon 2021 by becoming the first woman to referee a match at the competition and who was recently selected as the only woman referee from Africa to officiate at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 will be among the top women officials in Morocco. This is an honor. It's a privilege. I'm going to encourage young women, especially young women. They're now looking at me. Please wake up and then work hard. This is the moment. Today it's Salma. Maybe tomorrow is going to be someone else. Tomorrow is going to be you. So wake up and uh, start working. No, we are not here to fight with men. We are not here to compete with men. No, because men, they have been helping us. They give us support because this is their competition. So we are here to work hard to show men, hey, you know, guys, we are. We can deliver. We can be on the level you, you are. We can go inside the field of play and take decision. And now to Egypt, where the coach of the Egyptian national football team, Ihab Galal, has been sacked. The sacking of the coach on Thursday is coming barely two months after he took over from Carlos Quiroz. Egyptian Football Federation official Hazim Imam told the press conference in Cairo that the negative results of the Egyptian coach precipitated his departure. A man also said the names of a number of foreign coaches are being considered with a view to starting negotiations with them. Egypt, without injured Captain Mohamed Salah and several other key players, were beaten 2 0 by Ethiopia last Thursday in the 2023 African Cup of Nations qualifier. And now to tennis, where Tunisian tennis star and world number four, Ons Jabour will partner with Serena Williams in the America's tennis return in Eastbourne next week ahead of Wimbledon. The world number four will partner the American in her first tour event in almost a year at next week's Eastbourne International before Williams returns to Wimbledon a year after playing her last match on center court where she was forced to retire injured. Only five other players have played alongside Williams on tour and even more rare are collaborations that don't involve her sister Venice. 
Ennis. Jabo says she learned of Williams' request before Roland Garros, where she was coming off reaching the final in Rome after her first 1,000-level title in Madrid, but didn't know why she was selected as Williams' comeback partner. Uh, pretty excited to play doubles with Serena. Uh, when I got the news, I was over the moon and uh, such a privilege for me. Uh, very lucky that she picked me. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have a great tournament and uh, cannot wait to be in Lisbon this year. Formula One boss Stefano Domenchiali is in South Africa for talks that could see the country's Kialami circuit return to the Grand Prix calendar next year for the first time since 1993. Africa is the only continent other than Antarctica without a Formula One race. And Domenchiali, who represents commercial rights holders, Liberty Media, has spoken of his desire to rectify that. Formula One analyst Shasha Martinego explains more. I was there back in 1993 at the last Grand Prix at Kailami and everyone is keeping very very quiet at the moment we have to be a little bit cautiously optimistic but things are looking very very good for the return of Formula One to South Africa it's wonderful and out to Kenya where shooters from 15 countries are among those entered for this year's Kenya Open Level 3 shotgun slated for Shaba Range in Samburu this weekend among the countries listed for the event include China Egypt Ghana Spain Italy Zambia and Senegal the championship has attracted over 100 entries and will be based on the rules and regulations of the International Practical Shooting Confederation. The championship will be used to prepare Kenyans for the world championships slated for Thailand later in the year. International Practical Shooting Confederation Kenya chairman, member Muriuki, says Kenya will fill the biggest number of players at the tournament. The main event is uh, two days, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, apart from shooting, of course, shooting is the main event. We are there all as shooters. Uh, but of course, the foreigners will be uh, invited to partake our game drive because we are also building up uh, the capacity of Samburu to be uh, an international hub for this kind of events. In athletics, Tokyo Olympic gold medalist Prayer Jepchichir plans to defend her title at the New York City Marathon, where she hopes to break the course record this November after finishing eight seconds off the mark last year. That's my hopes uh, to run, uh, to attempt to run a world record. I know it's not easy uh, because I was seeing the world record uh, 217. I saw it was not. I was seeing it's tough. It's not easy, but. After Bridget Korske ran 214, uh, it makes me to believe myself that I, me too, I can. So for me, I can say for my ticket is for 2023, God willing, to attempt to see if I can run 215, then to attempt the record. Dr. won the Olympic and New York City marathons four months apart in 2021, then won the Springs Boston Marathon. She is the first athlete, male or female, to win all three events. In cricket news, Ugandan Cricket Association is set to host the ICC Cricket Challenge League B tournament in Kampala. The six-nation event, which begins this Friday, will feature Uganda, Kenya, Bermuda, Jersey, Hong Kong, and Italy. The Cricket Challenge League is a three-round pathway to 50-over World Cup 2023 in India, with the team on top of the table that will proceed to the final qualification round. After the first round that was played in Oman, Uganda is top of the table and three points ahead of Hong Kong. In second, Riazat Shah and Ronak Patel, both Ugandan cricket cranes batsmen, said they have prepared well for the tournament. Our team is more improved from last couple of tournaments, and we were confident enough to give some good uh, tournaments and some good uh, rewards to our fan and some good. In- we will entertain our fan in this time, yeah.
So for this tournament, we from last two months we preparing, we prepared well. Now we have to focus on our games and. Now we have to put show on ground. And finally, in basketball news, the FIBA Basketball World Cup 2023 African qualifiers is set to enter its third window with 24 exciting games. From July the 1st to the 3rd, 16 teams will lock horns for their right to advance to the 12-team second round of the qualifiers. Thanks, Samson. That's Samson O'Malle. Samson mentioned Kenyan athlete Paris Jepcherchir winning this year's Boston Marathon in this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022. Let's look back now on the triumph by Jepcherchir. Let's give a sunny side of sports salute to Kenyan athletes Evans Chibet and Paris Jepcherchir, who won the men's and women's titles at the Boston Marathon. Ladies first, Olympic champion Jepcherchir won a thrilling race against Ethiopia's Ababo Yeshene in a seesaw sprint to the finish line. The two traded places eight times in the final mile before Jepcherchir pulled ahead for good on Boylston Street in Boston. Her winning time? Two hours, 21 minutes, and one second. Ababel Yeshene clocked two hours, 21 minutes, and five seconds. And Mary Ngugi of Kenya placed third in two hours, 21 minutes, and 32 seconds. Paris Jepcherchir earned a first-place prize of $150,000 and Boston's traditional gilded olive wreath to go with her Olympic gold medal from Japan and 2021 New York City Marathon title. In the men's race in Boston, Evans Chibet won his fourth career marathon after previous wins in Argentina, Japan, and Spain. Chibet finished in two hours, six minutes, and 51 seconds. Kenyan countrymen Lawrence Chirono and Benson Kipruto finished second and third, respectively. Chirono, the 2019 Boston champion, finished 30 seconds back. And defending Boston champion Kipruto was 36 seconds back. Hello, sports fans. This is Paul Tergat, marathon champion from Kenya. You are listening to the Sony side of sports on the Voice of America. Voice of America! The 126th running of the world's oldest annual marathon saw the Boston race return to its traditional spring start for the first time since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. Organizers say more than 28,000 runners started the race. Elsewhere in African athletics, a Kenyan woman has built on her country's great heritage in the sport by co-founding a running shoe company. VOA's Carol Gunsberg tells us more. Navalaya Osembo is the CEO of Enda, a company that makes running footwear and apparel. She aims to build on Kenya's reputation as a global leader in distance running by producing shoes while creating jobs. When you consider just how successful we've been in the running space, but then also against a backdrop of poverty and high unemployment, why can't we as Kenya also create economic advantage in the running space, which we are very well known for? Osembo co-founded Enda with Weldon Kennedy, a social activist and running shoe nerd. 
They met in 2015 and began discussing how Kenyans could benefit from their running culture. Footwear is really the, the tool of the runner, is, is the running shoe. And so if we are going to make a big splash as Kenya on the running scene, it had to be shoes. And also it's because it hadn't been done before, so we had to try to do it. Ender produces shoes for daily training, longer distance, and trail running. All are made in partnership with Emoja Rubber Products, a shoe manufacturing company based in the coastal town of Kalifi. Enda's high-performance shoes aren't cheap, with a suggested retail price starting at $120. 80% of Enda's customers are in the United States, 8% in Europe, and 12% in Kenya. One of those customers is Henry Wanyoaiki, a Kenyan Paralympic champion. The blind, long-distance runner has used Ender's shoes for four years. They are shoes for training, like now what I'm wearing today. And also we have the shoe for competition. Eda is one of the, the what we can show to the world. This is something which has been made in Kenya. I feel good because I'm promoting Kenya. Run Repeat, a U.S.-based website that reviews running shoes, says running has increased in popularity over the last decade. Enda looks to expand beyond elite athletes into the recreational running space that is growing both in Kenya and across the world. Carol Gunsberg... VOA News. Hi guys, I'm Ferdinand Omanyala, the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. That wraps up the June 17th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in and have a nice weekend. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. I get it. And that's the sunny side of sports.